Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Oh, mercy! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside the warehouse at Oriel Park at Camden Yards, it is the Mass and All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano and Bobby underscore Blanco with us here. Bobby, how you doing today? Great, Paul. It's freezing. It's raining. It's snowing. It's doing all those things that the Mid-Atlantic weather does. Is but, it raining right now? Um, yes. Well, Jeez. it looks like it. it's going to be gross. We're supposed to get snow. Yeah. It's supposed to be butt cold later this week. We're getting that Arctic blast that's hitting the Midwest. But as of today, the recording yes. of this podcast. Yes. Exactly two weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting at Sarasota for the wow. Baltimore Orioles. How fun is that? That is so fun. We are going to be down there. You're going to be down there for pitchers and catchers. I'll be down there at the beginning of March. Wow. Oh, cannot wait for the warm weather. Warm weather. Get out of this region. Cannot wait for uh, the fact that a Starbucks just opened near our office and we get to... Literally just saw four of our coworkers walk by. Seriously? They all had ventis. Oh, my it's God. It's just so convenient. It's I just... And we're never going to drink out of that Keurig in the in the kitchen ever no. again. And I have, I mean, Keurig, people love to complain about the Keurigs in their office. Ours is, look, I, I love Masson, great building, amazing that we're in Camden Yards. Keurig leaves something to be desired. Well, I don't drink that coffee for the coffee. <laughs> I drink that coffee for the caffeine. For the caffeine. I, you know, we work You can't enjoy n- the coffee. We yeah. got late nights. We get sometimes late nights and early mornings, so quick turnarounds. You know, it's just, I like my morning coffee just for the caffeine. I, right. I'm not a morning person. I need to wake up. It takes me a while. Give me the caffeine. I don't care what it tastes like. Um, and then I save like my nicer coffee for mid-afternoon or like a nightcap decaf. Yeah. Uh, I don't have coffee as I leave the house every day. Um, I just I tend to get it on my way in or I get it at the Keurig you here. You love strolling in. No no matter time of day, Yeah, you love strolling in with your coffee and breakfast, Sammy. One of my friends found that so disgusting that she literally bought me a French press. <laughs> In order to make sure that I am caffeinated as I go into work. It's also probably better for your budget, too, financial-wise. Exactly. That you're not dropping 4 or $5 plus getting a, a sandwich yeah. every morning from Dunkin' or Starbucks, and you can just buy a pack of coffee for that same amount of price, and that lasts you the whole week. Exactly. So it's, it's really cost-efficient. I don't know how much she spent on it. She wouldn't tell me. Um, but extremely clutch. She's like, just as so long as I can have it whenever I come over. I'm like, you're giving me a French press. Yeah. Of course you can have some. Yeah, yeah it's over. basically yours. Yeah. So I'm not a big fan. I, I get the idea of the French press. I don't know exactly like what the, it is. I like just the standard old-fashioned coffee maker because yeah. all you do is you flick the switch, it brews it for you. It To me, it tastes just the same. If you do, if you maintain right. your coffee maker, like run hot water through it every once in a while just to clean it out, it's it's perfectly yeah. fine. There's To me, there's no difference. Um, and again, I drink coffee for the caffeine. So, did, did you know um, dark roast coffee has less caffeine? I didn't, but that's Isn't that crazy. That is kind of crazy because uh, I would. I think most people would probably expect the opposite, right? Right. Yeah. The darker, the more caffeinated. But that's like cold makes, brew. That's a, that kind of validates my point because I avoid the dark roast K cups. They're just a little too dark. Like too dark. The, yeah. It tastes too much like as we like to say, bean soup. Like, it's not... Yeah. Yeah, it's not coffee. It's just... It kind of tastes like dirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, well, speaking of coffee, let's talk Orioles Fan Fest. Uh, that was a non sequitur. 
and a poor transition, but well, let's not talk really, about it. We had coffee and comments earlier today on Mass and All Access, Mass and Orioles Facebook true, Live. True. Um, you and Sarah Perlman went through the whole thing. And we're just also, we kind of wanted to touch on, we're using this podcast as a place to touch on on some interviews we didn't get to on Facebook yeah. Live. And um, maybe hear some from players that a lot of fans didn't get to hear from or aren't being as publicly uh, broadcast yeah. because you know there were like, we cut up 33 interviews yesterday, Paul, and it's just impossible to get them all out there at the same time. So we wanted to give fans another place to listen to some Orioles players and personnel from yeah. FanFest. To toot our own horns, uh, we were the only camera that captured all 33, 34 interviews. Ding, 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 ding. So, we need a sound yeah. effect there. Yeah, yeah. they're all on our YouTube page, of course. Yep, yep. Uh, Shout out to Paul and to our uh, intern, Ryan. Yep, great work, great work. And, of course, Sarah. Uh, holding the mic as well, so plenty of stuff uh, in there. That that can be a dangerous, not dangerous, but a, a tiresome business holding the mic. For like, you're used to holding cameras for the Scott Boris annual. Oh press my god, and the mic sometimes too. I mean, talk about you know complaining over nothing, but first world problems. But holding that mic up for like ten minutes, that's tough. Not that's, only that, but like also. Asking questions and listening to answers. Yeah. I don't have the attention span to do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. seriously, like, I'll ask a question and then I'll be thinking, what's for dinner tonight? Yeah. Wait, what did he say? Yeah. I just like, yeah. <laughs> I don't have the attention span to do that. So kudos to Sarah. Thank you for that. <laughs> wouldn't be a great reporter there, Bob. I think no, I wouldn't. Would. <laughs> and hence why I'm not in that position. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. Well, we're going to touch on a lot of the sound. We're going to play a lot of the sound for you. Um, a lot of the main headlines tend to focus around, obviously, Brandon Hyde and his coaching staff, because that was the first time that we were introduced to these guys on the coaching staff. First off, Bobby, your overall impressions of the guys that came through the door. I like how they all kind of had like the same, you know, it's tough when you rebuild and you get a new GM who Mm -hmm. hires a new manager who then they together hire their own new coaching staff and you're pulling guys from different areas from across the major leagues, minor leagues, what have you. Yep. I think it's, it's tough to, this early on in the process, be on the same page. So I was really impressed that they all kind of conveyed the same message. You know, it's going to take time, mm-hmm. but we're going to work at it. We need to build relationships with these players. We don't know these players off the top of our head because we haven't met some of them yeah. yet. So I mean, we're, 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 we're taking the time uh, to get to know these guys. Um, you know, someone referenced, the, I think it was Don Long. He went out to dinner with Chris. I mean, he, he's going to be asked about Chris Davis his entire time here at Baltimore. Yeah. He went out to dinner with Chris Davis and his wife. And they didn't even talk baseball. He just wanted to ask Chris Davis and his wife about themselves, right. their family lives, like what get to know them, because that's how you kind of start anew, you know, build relationships with these people, uh, these players, so they can trust you when you come to them and say, hey, let's try do this. Let's try this pitch. Let's yeah. try this batting stance. Let's maybe try this in the field with this footwork, stuff like that. Yeah. So I was very impressed that they all, for the short amount of time, they, I mean, they literally had announced the coaching staff three days prior to FanFest, mm-hmm. and I was impressed at how they were all pretty much on the same page from the get-go. They do seem to be very much all on the same page. I'm glad you, glad you brought up Don Long. We're going to play a clip from him talking about uh, bringing – a different culture and the, the approach that he's looking as he brings uh, his expertise to the job of hitting coach. You know, I, I think it's building a, a culture and really creating an environment where we're relentless in what we do and how we prepare and how we work and how open we are to, to getting better. And having, you know, every, every hitter has their own identity, things they're good at, maybe some challenges they have, but we really want to build a group identity you know, we want to be uh, known wherever we play as a team that's really tough. You know, really tough. We don't want to pitch to them. 
really challenging to pitch to, and I think that's, um, as a group mindset, that's really important to us. So that is Don Long, the new hitting coach. He also touched on the kind of person that Brandon Hyde is. He talked about how consistency of person is maybe Brandon Hyde's best attribute there, but I love what Don Long has to say about building a culture because when Brandon Hyde came up to the web studio and went on Mass and All Access, he talked about putting culture changers in place. It's you can't think small scale. You got to think big scale. You're building something here that you hope this structure can stay in place when this team is competitive in three or four years. So having somebody like Don Long who sees big picture, that'll help. I mean, that also goes along with what we've talked about all along, Paul, is like these are hires that aren't for the short term. They're for the long term. Elias, Hyde, his coaching staff, they're here for the long term. Rebuilds take time. So, yes, you need to establish that culture. You need to establish relationships with these players, um, especially the young guys who you plan on being here for the long haul. Um, and, and, you know, that's what the Orioles needed. That's what they were looking for. When they yeah. went and decided we are going a different way, we're doing this rebuild, it's time to bring in new people and bring in a new culture, and boom, that's one yeah. of the first things Don Long said off the bat. I went back and looked at Don Long's history and his expertise with the Cincinnati Reds where he was the hitting coach for six seasons, and he's got some nice success stories, particularly in taking young guys with showing flashes of talent and turning them into productive major league hitters. Three names stand out, Eugenio Suarez, Scooter Gannett, and Jose Peraza. Eugenio Suarez was a young guy with a little bit of talent, came in, turned him into an all-star this past season. He's now a very productive young hitter. Scooter Gannett, we all know what he's done recently, but he came to this team with very little pop, little practice, low batting average, and all of a sudden he's burst out to being close to a 300 hitter. He's got plenty of pop. He's been a great success story. And Jose Peraza is somebody who has turned into a very good hitter with the Cincinnati Reds, who was kind of the subject of the fact that this Reds team has been in a rebuild for what feels like 10 years. And they have had opportunities, like this Orioles team has, will have, for these young guys to come in, get plenty of at-bats, get plenty of time out in the field, and will develop these guys. So the fact that you know, obviously the Reds have not been a winning team anytime recently, but he has experienced Don Long does in developing these guys and turning them from, yeah, they're talented and but they're they're not consistent into no, these guys can go out on the field, whether it's with the Reds, whether it's with the Yankees every day and produce. Yeah, obviously we don't have a sam- any samples yet of what he can do with the Orioles, but it kind of feels like already that the Orioles kind of found or Brandon High kind of found a diamond in the rough, you yeah. know? Because he usually the top name coaches get picked from the top organizations, and like you said, the Reds have been in org- uh, on a rebuild for what seems like forever. Um, no real names stand out. Like the last big name was probably Joey Votto. Yeah, and so and the fact that yeah, I mean Scooter, like you said, Scooter Jet, he's one of the best young hitters in all of baseball now, and and Don Long has a big part in that. And so it's kind of like you picked a guy from not a very successful organization, but has found some success with talented players. And now you hope he brings that expertise over here to Baltimore and does the same thing with these young players. Yeah, exactly. And I also looked at how could, does he have any experience in turning somebody around who's already a veteran who is coming off a bad year in relation to Chris Davis? Can he do the same with Chris Davis? And a couple names stuck out to me. Obviously it's tough to do when there's, you know, you're taking a guy that already is set in his ways and you're trying to fix things to get him back to a productive player. He ha- he sort of did that with Jay Bruce. So Jay Bruce, who ended up going to the Mets, didn't spend much long with the Reds, but um, 
Don Long came in in 2014. Jay Bruce had a bad season, just really struggled, hit like 217 in 2014. Uh, sorry, 2014, not 2012. Turned it around the next year, was able to turn him into a productive power hitter once again. And then the other guy that I looked at was Adam Duvall, who um, took a while to get to that place, uh, to get to a place where he was a consistent power hitter. He struggled the last couple of years, but he burst out for 33 homers at age 27 back in 2016. Help, helped in part by Don Long. So he does have a little bit of experience here and there, but it's tough. It's always tough to tell, particularly in baseball, how much influence coaches actually have on developing these guys. Um, but if, look, if, if Chris Davis comes out and is comeback player of the year and, and, and is 10 times better than he was last year, you got to give credit to Don Long because he's going to have a spend a lot of his time, I think, trying to fix this guy. Yeah, that's going to be like his 16th chapel. Like if he can <laughs> take Chris Davis from what he was last year and make him, you know, at least somewhat productive, yeah. that's just going to be just leaps and bounds better. Exactly. Obviously, the say, bar you know, is so low. Yeah, right. I was, like, was going to say, I mean, unfortunately, it's hard to get worse than he was. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and we heard Chris Davis talk about it too. And he, you know, he's excited to work with them. He's, he's being open to new numbers, analytics, stuff like that. And, and you know, he's kind of going to take a different approach this off season. Cause obviously what he said last year, you know, he's like, what I did last year didn't work. And, mm-hmm. um, I struggled and I, we can't go through that again. I can't go through that again. Uh, this team can't win without me being productive in the yeah. lineup. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting, but that's an interesting uh, find that he has. Yeah. Don Long has some previous success of taking veteran players and and kind of getting them a turning point in their career as well. Yeah, exactly. So um, Don Long was not the only member of this new coaching staff to speak at uh, Orioles Fan Fest on Saturday. Tim Cousins as well, who is hired as the Major League Field Coordinator slash catching instructor, spoke, uh, and he had good things to say about his new manager, Brandon Hyde. I think consistency of person. Uh, as long as I've known Brandon, he's always had the ability to, to be the same person every single day. It's not, it's not high and low. It's not ego-driven. What you guys are seeing right now is pretty much what you're going to get on a daily basis. And it's a very consistent approach to um, the game and, and as a person. That's pretty much been the per- refrain that we've heard from everybody who knows Brandon Hyde on a close level. What you see is what you get. And consistency, consistency of, per- yeah. of person, uh, which will be huge. Patience and consistency will be very big uh, as you're, as Brandon Hyde prepares, prepares to deal with these young players. I, mean, I think that is one of the main – those are going to be two words we're going to be saying a lot, yeah. Paul. And, again, it's a great sign that we're – you know, the first day that we're meeting these new coaches that are already dropping these, these words, consistency, because, um, you know, you can't – continue to get better for the long haul if you're not being consistent early on you know you got to be consistent in your approach every single day um with that long-term goal in in mind and 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 brandon being brandon i mean i think he even mentioned when he chatted with you on all access Mm -hmm. he's like i'm just gonna be me i mean i have to be me uh i'm not gonna shy away uh i'm gonna build relationships with these players with my coaches with this front office and you know, I think that's why I get along with so many people. It's because I, I I don't try to be anybody else. Yeah. I'm gonna be who I am. Exactly. And um, there's no there's no secret. There's no two faced side to me. And yeah. um, you know, I'm honest with these guys, and and I think I can build a relationship and trust with them. Yeah. Doug Brocale, the new pitching coach, also spoke. He talked about his coaching philosophy and how that has changed and adapted over the years. I used to be real old school, pitching, pound hard, use your breaking ball when need be. 
And I tried to stick with that because I was old school and that's how I pitched. Well, it wasn't about Doug Brokell anymore. It was about the staff. And the one thing that analytics showed me was when I was stuck on something, trying to pound it into somebody's head for their betterment, it was one of those things I kept getting proved wrong every single day. I'm like, okay, old school, new school, let's find a, a happy medium here and, and work with these guys. There's another guy who's going to have a large part in shaping these young players, and he talked about, you know, he, he has changed his philosophy and taken analytics into account. Obviously, we know this whole f coaching staff is going to be a whole lot more 21st century than the previous one. Good to hear that they're already talking about it. Doug Brokell is like the Orioles in a nutshell. Like, basically, he's like the epitome of the Orioles because he, yeah. he's, this is what they're doing. They had this old philosophy. It wasn't working. So, you know, they're accepting the new age, sort of, so to speak. They're, yeah. they're going to take these new numbers, these analytics, and he also mentioned, hey, it's, you know, it's up to that department to get us the numbers, and then it's us up up to us as coaches to translate those numbers to our players, mm -hmm. take what we think is useful, throw out what we think is not, and and give it to them and help them implement it and use it on the field as professional athletes. And um, I, I, that's that's the way it goes. We've talked about that on the podcast plenty of times. That's just the way they have to go about it. And it's good to see, you know, I mean – Maybe except for Brandon Hyde, looking at these guys, I mean, none of them are on the younger side. I mean, they're all relatively – they've been yeah. around for a while. <laughs> I don't yeah. want to call them old, no offense, but, like, they're, <laughs> they've been around. For, they're all experienced coaches, and it's – and they've acknowledged that's just the way baseball is. You have to be able to accept the numbers and the, the analytics side of the, of yeah. the game now because that's the way it's going. Houston has proven that it works. Other teams have proven – have had success doing it. Um, the A's, obviously, with the yeah. money ball thing. So – I mean, it's just the way the sport is, and, and if you don't accept it, you you might be out of a job. Way to make a good first impression with the coaching staff by calling them all old, Bobby. Mm -hmm. great, great job. I didn't Can't actually. I said that I'm not calling them old. I'm <laughs> experience. You heard from the assistant coaches. Now let's hear from the manager himself, Brandon Hyde, talking about how coming into this first spring training as Orioles manager, all the players, everybody, they've got a clean slate. Yeah, I mean, it's a clean slate with me, you know. Um, I came from a pretty good spot where we had – you know, when in spring training, maybe there was a, a spot or two open um, when camp started. Um, this is different. This is uh, this is more of how it was in 12 and 13 and 14 there, where, you know, there's um, a lot of young, um, interesting guys that we can't wait to start developing. And whether they're ready to make the big league team or not, I can't tell you right now. Um, but I think that's uh, a great situation for a lot of guys. And there's going to be, there's obviously innings on the mound and there's ABs to be had. And um, to have them to have the opportunity to win a job, I think is um, you know as a player, I think that's what you want. This is going to be an interesting spring training for Brandon Hyde in his first spring training because he is dealing with all guys that not only he and his coaching staff have never seen up close, but most of baseball has never seen up close. These are brand new guys, and it's time for Brandon Hyde to decide at this point at least which one of them has the ability to be a major league player and which one of them's which one of them probably aren't ready yet. It feels like you're going into like a tryout. Like I mean like Yeah, it's basically what it is. I mean yeah. like all these I mean not all of them obviously some are under contract they have to be under the major they're going to be on the major league roster but it's like you're this coach the thing about you're a, a coach like coaching like little league or um, a youth basketball team and you yeah. walk into the gym and you know none of these kids. Yeah. You can tell, kid, that kid's tall. That kid looks strong. Yeah. He looks fast. But you don't know. Yeah, they could be complete opposite. So it's you're kind of going in blind. And uh, he's, I mean, he's also mentioned he's watched a lot of tape. 
And but the tape can only say, tell you so much until you actually see these guys for your own eye. Again, these guys are experienced baseball yeah. coaches. They know the game very well. Um, they know talent when they see it. So getting out there for the first time is going to be eye-opening yeah. for, for Brandon Hyde just because he's going to see what these players can actually do in game situations. Exactly, and I think it's going to be an interesting mix to see how many young guys he goes with compared to the vets. So, like, you know, if, if you have two guys who come in on equal footing and he thinks they have equal talent level, is he going to go with the 24-year-old over the 27-year-old just because he's younger and, you know, in theory could get a whole lot better? Or is he going to say, you know what, we need a veteran here or there? Is he going to maybe go back and forth with Mike Elias and say, yeah, this guy might have more potential down the road, but we need this guy right now. Um, so, And I believe in him right now. So there's going to be a mix of that. That's a tricky part of this whole rebuild process, too, is because, again, there are so many young players here mm-hmm. and experienced players. How do you determine? Because you also still need to win at them. I mean, you're right. Brendan Hyde said, we're not, I don't use the term rebuild. I'm here to win. I'm yeah. here trying to compete as every single night, which is great. Yeah. But like, how, how do you balance between, okay, we need to throw our best players out there, but even though this guy might be one of our best players, he still needs some time to kind of grow in the minor league system yeah. and be ready to be one of our best players on the, down the line. Exactly. Um, so that's going to be a tough line for them to balance going down throughout the season. One guy that we are almost positive will make the Orioles opening day roster, Richie Martin, who was taken number one overall in the Rule 5 draft back at the winter meetings in December. He was introduced to the Orioles media. I was very impressed with him. Guy's got a lot of swag. He came in with an awesome-looking jacket, came in very confidently, and here's what he had to say about being taken number one overall by the O's. Uh, to be honest, I, I had no idea. Um, you know, it wasn't like the the uh, amateur draft where you kind of have an idea of where, where guys are going to go or, um, you know, teams calling your agent is really just – uh, not, I don't want to say random, but you, the players have no idea and kind of just have to sit back and wait just like, like everybody else. So, um, but it was, it was, it was interesting and, you know, I've been given a, a good opportunity and just have to take advantage of it. Were you more annoyed, uh, by Oakland, by Oakland, not protecting you or excited to be drafted? Um, I mean, I, I wasn't really emotional towards, uh, either, you know, um, you know, I can just control what, what I can, and uh, Oakland made their decision. But like I said, I, uh, Baltimore picked me up, and I have a great opportunity. And, you know, it's, I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to the season and spring training. So all I can do now is just go out and play. This guy was a 300 hitter in the minor leagues, and now he's going to make the jump from A to the big leagues. Bobby, this guy is a shot, I think, to start just because of how uh, – lacking the Orioles infield is right now I think Richie Martin has a shot to start opening day at shortstop yeah if you go back and check out the Mass on All Access coffee and comments on um, Mass and Orioles Facebook page or youtube.com slash Mass and Orioles there Paul you made a great graphic of the why thank you Orioles infielders minus Trey Mancini and uh, um and Chris, Davis. And Chris Davis and yeah there's a couple guys in there with no major league experience yeah. and and there's only one other person Jonathan Villar, who has more than 100 games in the in the major league, so yeah. yeah, I would say Richie Martin has a great shot, and you know he's played a lot of shortstop, and we've heard the O's discuss nothing official yet, but mm-hmm. and I got, obviously we're not even at camp, but that they would probably like to keep Villar at second, yeah, and so shortstop's kind of open right now, and that would be again Rule Five draft pick. He has to stay on the major league roster for a certain amount of time, otherwise they have to offer them back. Um, yeah. So. Uh, it, yeah, I would I would go along that line of thinking that he could probably be one of the 
opening day starters at shortstop if as long as he has a good strong camp and like you said kid is confident you have yeah. to be I mean, he's the number one overall pick rule five draft um and he's excited for the opportunity exactly uh so richie martin i think I, if i had to guess right now i would guess he starts a shortstop with vr at second base and maybe i think renato nunez showed a lot at third last year but it's a new coaching staff. They might not like him as as much as some of the guys that they brought in, like Hanser Alberto and and um, Jack Reinheimer, who they just brought in, Rio Ruiz, who spoke as well. So um, it's going to be the infield is a position also that they don't have a whole lot waiting in the wings. One guy that they do have waiting in the wings, of course, is their number one overall prospect coming into the 2019 season by Baseball America, by MLB, by most metrics and that would be Ryan Mountcastle who despite all of his defensive concerns and there are plenty and there much has been made and written about his defensive concerns this guy's bat still puts him at the top of the O's farm system that's how good this guy is right now yeah and uh, we'll get talk about the bat the bat's amazing and that's why he's up there right now because there are some defensive concerns it's impressive that he came out and he said you know i'm bringing my third base glove and that is pretty much it he yeah, played yeah. only third base last year on baseballreference.com he's still ref he's still listed as a shortstop and third baseman yeah um but the o's figure him to be a third base guy uh if his bat steve muskie we've talked to him about it on this mm. podcast he says his bat probably already plays in the major leagues it's yeah. just a matter of him getting defensively up to speed and so this is a big camp for him and um you know if it's not nunez I, I think it's a bit of a stretch to say yeah. he'll be up there this early, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see Mount Council at least in the first half of the season. You mentioned him talking about bringing his third baseman glove to uh, spring training. He talked about that. I mean, some people have talked about your glove. How many different gloves are you going to bring to spring training with you? Um, I mean, I got my third base glove, and that's, that's what I'm using right now. So... Uh, I mean, whatever they want to do with me, I want to play third base and think I can produce there. What gains did you make there last year, Ryan? I mean, honestly, just just everything mentally, physically, my my footwork, I feel like got a lot better because I mean, I only played there maybe what a month and a half the year before, so you know, just getting more comfortable over there with the throws and all the footwork, uh, I feel a lot more feel a lot better over there right now. He is not lacking for confidence, Ryan Mountcastle. Uh, if he can get that defense to a major league level, look, at in uh, with the Bowie Bay Sox last year, in 102 games, Ryan Mountcastle hit 297. He had a 341 on base percentage. He had 13 dingers and 59 RBIs. The guy can hit. Yeah. And um, he's said that he's learned a lot at third base. I think this spring training will be interesting to see exactly how much he has learned yeah and but i would also say i mean i again confidence is great and and for a team like the orioles who are going through a rebuild this year mm. all these young players you need confidence if you don't have confidence yeah, yeah. don't walk through that door yeah. because that's, we count you're going to be underdogs and every, you're going to be basically they're always going to be punching above their weight class every single night they go yeah. out there yeah um but at the same time i would also caution because they're in the rebuild because there's so many young players be flexible. Yeah. I mean, if they need you to play short, play short. If they need you to play somewhere else, be open to that too. Uh, I talked to – I had a buddy stop by the Masson booth at FanFest, and he came by with his dad, and, you know, I, I asked him, like, so, like, what? they're season ticket holders too. Like, what, like what's keeping you as a season ticket holder? Why are you so excited to come back? And he's just like, you know what? This team is young. And honestly, I would like them to see like, – use the analytics, but also 
just throw athletes out there. Use <laughs> versatile players. Yeah. Like we've seen the Brandon Hyde is very familiar with that. He mentioned yeah. that. He did that in the Cubs. Use guys who can move all across the outfield or mm-hmm. all across the infield, play multiple positions, and, and just, you know, make it fun, make it entertaining, and, and try to use this young athletic athleticism um, in all different parts. Um, Ryan McKenna is a guy who yeah. is – uh, he mentioned in his interview at FanFest, hey, I, I'll play any three. He's listed as a center fielder. He's played mostly center field, but I'll play any three of them. Just yeah. throw me anywhere. I can play all three. So I think that's something to keep in mind, too, for these young players coming into camp. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And the the fact that you now are transitioning from a team that relied so heavily on the long ball, where you had you know the middle of the lineup in their heyday with Chris Davis and uh, you just needed, and you know, of course, Manny and Scope. These guys could all hit the ball out of the ballpark, and now you're transitioning to a team whose best power hitter right now, probably Trey Mancini. Yeah, probably the guy who hit 24 last year. Maybe Mark Trumbo if he's healthy. Healthy, right? Um, but that's n- certainly not a guarantee. And who knows if he's going to stick around with this team the whole season? So you're transitioning from a team that needed home runs to get runs to now a team that is fast. You got Jonathan VR, Cedric Mullins already on the team. Even DJ Stewart can steal bases. So this is a team that is going to be a run and gun team as opposed to a power hitting team. Uh, But they're also going to need that that good balance of having Mancini's consistent home run power bat in the lineup. Small ball can be fun with young speed like the Orioles do have. True. So I mean, it could be exciting to watch. Definitely. And and they're not going to be afraid to take chances because. Again, rebuild. What do you have to lose? Yeah, exactly. What do you have to lose, and how long do you have nothing to lose for? Mike Elias talked about that uh, at FanFest as well. A lot of fans also got to hear him talk in the various forums, which was pretty awesome. But here's what he had to say to the media about how long he thinks this whole thing is going to take. Um, look, you know, we uh, Brandon went through this with the Cubs, and I went through this with the Astros, and uh, both of those rebuilding processes um, went incredibly fast. Um, I can't say that that's always going to be the case with these things. There's there's uh, circumstantial factors that might affect the, the, the speed with which a team revisits the playoffs. I'm hopeful that we can do it. I, I know what we need to do in order to get there, um, but there's going to be a lot of things happening here. It's just going to depend on who we draft, how they do, how well they progress, how, the, how well the players here progress, who's in the minor league system right now. Um, you know, I said like when, when we were in Houston, um, you know, we had Altuve and Keuchel, um, and Keuchel was not a heralded prospect at that time, and, and George Springer in the minor leagues already, and it took a while for Altuve and Keuchel to reveal themselves to be the talents that they are today. So just factors like that are going to dictate things, and we don't have total control over them. The most important thing for us is that we set a course, we remain uh, disciplined towards our decision making. And we all work hard and do a good job. And I think we'll get there and we'll get there in the right amount of time. Bobby, some interesting notes I picked up from there from Michael Elias. Uh, he mentioned, he said, when I, you know, it, those rebuilds took extremely quick, went by extremely quickly. Yeah. The Cubs and the Astros. There are so many striking, sim, almost weird similarities between the Cubs and the Astros rebuilds. They both hired new GMs, Jeff Lunau with the Astros and Theo Epstein with the Cubs in 2008 before the 2012 season. Yep. And they uh, those guys were brought along as well when you talk about Brandon Hyde and Michael Elias. Um, they start, that's when they truly started those rebuilds in earnest. They had three seasons each where they had at least 89 losses those three years, 2012, 2013, 2014. 2015, both those teams made the playoffs. 2016, the Cubs won the World Series. 2017, the Astros won the World Series. 
that was a short amount of time. We're yeah. talking five seasons, six seasons, to the point where five seasons where these guys, where these teams rebuild quickly and win a dang World Series. Yeah, those happened five. extremely quickly. I think Michael Elias is saying, pump the brakes. We might not win a World Series in the next five years. Yeah, I mean, obviously, he, he doesn't want to put expectations on or anything, yeah. but there is, you know, the broad expectation of winning relatively soon. You know, maybe not winning a World Series in four or five years, but at least being competitive in yeah. four or five years. Maybe making the playoffs, winning a wild card game, something like that, and showing, hey, this is working. Yep. We're doing the right thing. We're The process is working. We're going to keep going at it. And I refuse to say trust the process. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and keep we're going to keep going at it. And, and eventually we're going to get to that point where, hey, we're at the top of the AL East. We're at the top of the American League. We are World Series contenders year in and year out. Exactly. And that's what the Cubs and the Astros are right now. I think, yeah, yeah, it's not going to – there's no guarantee it's going to take that quickly. It yeah. might, but it might not. Yeah. Probably more likely than not, it won't. Exactly. But that's okay. Yeah. And as long as the process is there, you were seeing the results on the field, it'll come. Exactly. And also he mentioned how he said when he came over to the Astros, they already had Jose Altuve, George Springer, and uh, Dallas Keuchel at various levels of the organization. And to me that says he doesn't necessarily see – three guys of those talent levels in the O's organization. But then he said those guys hadn't yet shown themselves to be how good they were going to be. Springer was pretty much always a top prospect, but Altuve took a couple years. He took a little while before he became, wow, this guy's one of the best hitters in baseball. Wow, he's got a whole lot of power. Dallas Keuchel took a little while before he became the ace that he is now. So maybe these guys are laying low in the weeds. Maybe there are guys in the O's system that – have that potential, and it just needs to be tapped into. They just need a little bit more seasoning uh, before they can p- become true franchise cornerstones. Because you can't you can't use a you know build a rebound a rebuild around just okay players. There has to still be some wow superstar players in your system. That could be a fun little game we do for a podcast later. <laughs> Pick our uh, Altuve's, Springer's, Keiko's currently yeah. on the Orioles. Who who do we think in? four or five years are going to be the cornerstones of this franchise exactly. that you might not see coming. Exactly. Uh, good good point as well. So a lot of plenty plenty of good stuff at uh, Orioles Fan Fest. And thank you to everybody who came down to Orioles. Shout Fest. out to the 8,000 people who braved the cold. And came, I mean, uh, Olivia Witherwright, our social media director, tweeted out at like before 7.30 in the morning, like 7 o'clock in the morning, it was frigid. It was yeah. so cold. And there are people already outside waiting to get in. I mean, yeah. just incredible. I mean, this fan base, this team lost 115 games last year. Yeah. They're just starting a rebuild, and this fan base is still as strong as ever. Just truly, truly in- awesome to see. Incredibly impressive. So thank you to all the fans who came, and thank you to all the fans who stopped by the Masson booth as well to say hi, take pictures, play games, do all that fun stuff. Uh, coming up on the Masson All Access podcast, this Thursday or Friday, we're going to have an episode with Mark Viviano, longtime cover coverer, reporter, reporter, of, <laughs> coverer, coverer of the uh, Baltimore Orioles. So that'll be fun to look forward to. Mark, of course, great guy. Love talking to him. Might even get some exercise talk in. He's a great runner as mm-hmm. well. So uh, Bobby and I need to learn some things there. Uh, so thank you so much for tuning into the Mass and All Access podcast. Bobby, where can you find us on Twitter? I'm at Bobby underscore Blanco. Paul is at Paul Mancano. You can also check us out on Mass and Orioles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. Uh, Snapchat's back up, too, so check us out there. And, uh, again, two weeks. We'll see you from Sarasota and coming up soon. Can't wait. Can't wait.